When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Winning Plays is back, and the Celtics are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. To talk about it, Ryan Brennadoni at Danger Car on Twitter is joining me, Brian Robb, for this episode of the pod. And Ryan, the Celtics are facing the heat here in a 2020 Eastern Conference Finals rematch. But let's let's give five minutes to game seven um a lot has been said already um we're gonna be looking ahead more than looking behind in this pod but um what what stands out to you the most about that game or just the, the that whole series in general after uh we come out the other side uh i think the fact that they gave up 81 points uh is probably <laughs> the story of that game and, and the story of the series and the story that we thought might be the defi- the deciding factor when we came in which is just like the celtics defense is really really good and the Bucks couldn't ever really generate half-court offense. Uh, that that may have been different if Middleton was playing, but he wasn't. And you know, there's that you have to take advantage of the opportunities as as they arise. Um, and I think I don't think it was as close as the series looks in the end, right? Like I think if these two teams played however many games, you know, if you could just repeat time over and over again, I don't think the Celtics would win 80% of the games, which I picked Celtics in five, right? Like I don't I don't think it was that much of a gap as, as I thought that there might be, but more like your Celtics and six pick was is probably what the level of the, the sort of weight of the series was. Um, and that the final game becoming a blowout makes it look a little bit different. If you look at like the sort of full, you know, full stats for the, the series, but like whenever they needed to win, they went out and won with some amount of comfort. Um, and I think that 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 shows that they they were the better team and and you have a seven game series in part for this reason like seven games gives is short enough where like luck and some strategy stuff and you can get drama out of it and all that but in large part if you have one team that's that's you know better by a, a decent bit that team will eventually advance and i think that's really what happened here is that this was probably sort of six game series talent disparity and then the Celtics had a bad shooting game. There were two coin flip games and both times it came up bucks, right? That's, you know, you flip a coin twice, sometimes it comes up heads twice and sometimes it comes up tails twice. It's not, it's not weird for that to happen, but the series could have played out differently. And, and I think all of that is, is basically because of that one thing of like the bucks just, they couldn't score unless they got out in transition. And um, that's been the story of the Celtics season really since, I don't know, game 10 or something when we realized, Hey, this defense has a chance to be something really special. Um, and then they have reached that point now. So I don't know. Do you have other other sort of things that stood out to you? And the game itself, right? The first half was interesting. The second half becomes a blowout. It just sort of is what it is. It's more of a coronation. They were down by ten. In the, yeah, like, early. It was terrible. It was, it was like crazy. They were one for eight from two, right? Early on in the game, and it was sort of similar. It's like, well, unless they shoot as badly as they did in game one, this isn't going to continue on forever. But by the end, I just mean like the second half of the game, right? The, the crowd's going crazy. You've got 
Malik Fitz hitting threes after separating <laughs> his shoulder. It, it Geno time, like in in actual game time, Geno time, not not post final whistle right. Geno time. It it really was sort of a coronation at the end. Uh, the rest of the series is probably more interesting than than Game Seven in some ways. Yeah, I mean, it was a the series itself was just enthralling and probably one of the best ones the Celtics have been involved in. Um, and I guess yeah, like there there have been some classics like the Raptors was a classic, but just a level of play. I feel like we hadn't seen that in a series. You probably have to go back to the, you know, the KG Pierce days um, and some, not, not 2008, but some of those other series from 20, 2012. Um, I, I mentioned before, it kind of reminded me of the Celtics magic in t- 2009 um, with the, you know, the, the Bucks playing the role of the Celtics in that series. But for me, just one last thing for this game. Um, and I wrote about this on mass live, you know, Ime Odoka's had a phenomenal postseason. I thought he had a phenomenal game seven too. Um, just in the standpoint of like when the Celtics came out so ugly offensively to kind of blow up his usual rotations, roll with Tatum and Brown out of that second quarter, roll with Pritchard with White and Smart and Horford, et cetera, kind of struggling with their shots. And then obviously lighting a fire under Grant Williams asked to say, hey, like, you know, we believe in you. We're going to keep calling plays for you. Um, to them, to him to just to kind of steady the ship through the twists and turns of that series um, and ensured that the, the town disparity would hold up, um, I think bodes well for, for this team moving forward now. I think after game four, it was where I said that, the, that Peyton Pritchard was sort of a, a beneficiary of circumstance and that that group had played really, really well, but that he hadn't been like a huge part of it. That was not the case in this game where uh, his impact spacing the floor, being able to make those shots, uh, I think was more of like a, an individual positive contribution as opposed to being the right player for the right time and, and in that right fit. So in this case, when he was both of those things, it really sort of shows how, how he can be used and how uh, Udoka has found the right times to, to play him. Uh, and yeah, I agree. The, the strategy throughout the series, I think, was, was really good. Uh, just the way that game-to-game management was, was quite good. Um, and, and, you know, again, like, there were some things that happened in the series that, that went against the Celtics. Um, and in some cases they were sort of luck and in other cases they may have been a, a lack of poise or whatever. But like, I think that, 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 that uh, Raptor series is sort of the poor man's version of this series, right? Like these two teams are better than the Celtics and Raptors were at that time. But like that series was a, a, another case of like the Celtics are the better team in that series. It probably shouldn't have gone seven games. A couple things went against them. So it did go to seven games, but they got the job done at the end. Very similar series here, but where you're talking about two teams that it doesn't feel like the, the ceiling of these teams is like, wow, maybe they could make the finals and then lose. It's that they could win the championship. And so there's like a, a little bit of a level difference between those two, but it was a it's kind of felt similar other than the fact that there were fans here, um, <laughs> which is, you know, makes it more fun for, for everybody, I think. So, but, you know, like I said, I, I came into the series thinking the Celtics were a better team. I leave thinking that the Celtics were better, were the better team. I have, uh, I feel like the Bucks were a little bit better than I thought they would be mostly defensively. Um, their offense really just, they just couldn't get anything going. Uh, interesting questions for them moving forward, but this isn't a Bucks pod. And so the more interesting questions yeah. for us are <laughs> the Celtics moving forward and what happens in the next round, I think. All I'll say is, Trading Dante DiVincenzo for nothing that helped you in the postseason yeah. uh, was was probably not the right move. You the know? the Bucks, you know, the Bucks fans will tell you that that they don't think that DiVincenzo was doing anything for the rest of this, you know, for the rest of his time here, and that post injury wasn't the same player. But what they had wasn't great, 
And the bigger one is letting TJ Tucker go. Basically yeah, for, I mean, that's the luxury tax savings, right? Uh, he would have certainly made a difference in this series. And I, I sort of said, if you had both of them, like if you had PJ Tucker and a pre-injury DiVincenzo, like this might become where I would thought that the talent disparity was basically nothing and that these would have become a very even series, not just in a, you know, game seven sort of standpoint, but in the sort of more abstract, who's the better team. Uh, similarly, I think those two players being gone, being water under the bridge, but if you put Middleton in and Robert Williams in, maybe it would be more of an even talent um, but I think just with the way it was that the Celtics were a better team and the right team was advancing. All right. So let's look ahead now. Miami Heat, well-rested, waiting for the Celtics after taking care of the Sixers in six games uh, or what was, a, you know, what was left of the Sixers um, after Embiid's injury and whatever the hell happened to James Harden for the hundredth time in a postseason elimination game. Um this Miami team, Celtics won season series, I believe, two to one. Heat won the last matchup that kind of gave them the inside track on the on the top seed in the East. Um, Celtics fared by Vegas in the series coming out of the gate. I think the biggest thing that we start here is Kyle Lowry certainly looks like he's out for at least game one. Um, didn't do much practicing today. That means the Heat starting backcourt is... Max Struess and Gabe Vincent to start the series, Ryan, um, which obviously has performed. I think the Heat are six and zero without Lowry this postseason. Um, but just going it, if Lowry is not himself in this series, or you know, just doesn't play. Period. Is there any like? Would it be a huge, not disaster, but a huge disappointment if the Celtics lose? I'll start there. Lowry was pretty bad in the games that he played. Um, when he went back out, there were some people like that. Maybe I should good for the team with, with the state that he was in. Uh, it, obviously, it would be a disappointment if they were to lose the series. It feels like you know another opportunity here for them to, to take a step forward. And, and not, again, this team doesn't feel like it's a team that's trying to make the finals as a final destination. It feels like a team that could go and win the title. Uh, so losing it would be very difficult. I think that the Heat are better than sort of they feel right whatever that means like you look yeah. at the heat roster and you're like they, they do seem to be a greater than the sum of their parts team as do the celtics in, in large part these are two teams that don't have anybody who's won an mvp before uh jason tatum might in the future but this is not the sort of traditional build of 80 percent of what title teams look like in, in either case these are more sort of five-man unit teams and that's where i think gabe vincent and max Struess sort of make you can make that work because of how their particular skills fit in uh, with what else they have on the roster but it also does feel like the Heat are, I said that that series against the Raptors, the poor man's version of the round two that we just had, the Heat do feel a little bit like the poor man's version of the Celtics, at least the second half of the year Celtics, and that they're sort of built similarly and they want to play defense in the same way. Uh, they have some players that are, that are certainly different. There's no real Max Struess on the Celtics, at least not who, you know, who plays at all. Uh, the sort of running around and take a ton of threes, uh, Kyle Korver type player. So there are some differences there, but it does in some ways feel like these are teams that mirror each other and will they cancel each other out and do these games become 95, 92 affairs. And it's like, Oh, all these games are close because as we talked about the reason the Celtics don't lose by a lot in really ever, they don't get blown out is because they have a really great defense. And so you get into all of these coin flip games where they can lose. And then you just add on all the blowout victories on top of that. And that's how you become a really good team. Are these, is this going to be a series that devolves into like, low scoring coin flip games where 
you you know home court advantage could decide it so like you can certainly see ways that miami could win the series um but that being said like i I am sort of at the same place that i was in the last two series coming in which is like i think the celtics are a better team and so they should win the series but maybe i'm chastened a little bit by the buck series i don't think it's like you know a guarantee it's i could see ways that the heat could could grind the series down to something that's more on their terms and then get through it on Jimmy Butler last two minute performance or just the, you know, lucky bounces like we saw in, in uh, some of the games in, in the last round. So um, Max we'll is going for 30 points. Yeah. I, I mean, the games that they played in the regular season are, are kind of weird, right? Like the Celtics won the game early in the season when they were um, a very good defensive team, but a totally different team than what, than what you see now sort of the early indications of that, how good their defense could be. That was one of the games that I think highlighted that. And then the game in the middle, there's all this one Jimmy Butler didn't play, right? I think the blowout Jimmy Butler didn't play. And then the last game, was that the first game after Rob Williams got injured or the second game? I don't remember, but. um, Yeah, it might've been the first, but yeah, certainly that first week. Rob didn't play and he might not play this series. I really don't know what his health status is. but like you don't ever want to draw too many conclusions from a three-game stretched-out series over the you know over the course of eighty-two games. It's not super relevant, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, if Max Drews goes off for thirty points in multiple games, then that that'll cause problems for the Celtics. The the Heat are not Milwaukee. They shoot a lot of threes and they shoot them well. Right, and I mean honestly, the biggest difference. I mean that's number one. I think number two from the Celtics' perspective in the series is that the defense that Miami plays is a hell of a lot different than what the Bucks do. They, they just have a lot more versatility. They play like the, the Celtics do. Yeah, they play for the Celtics. So you're going to, so like Grant Williams, like all the guys who saw all the wide open looks in the world when the Bucks were in drop, um, those looks are not going to be there nearly as often. They're certainly going to be more contested if they, if they are there for, you know, the half second or whatnot. So that's, the role guys from that standpoint are going to be more tested there um, at the same time. And you have another, you know, pretty elite, you know, Bam Adebayo is obviously an elite defender. Um, he's not an elite rim protector uh, from a standpoint of just piling up blocks like a, a Brook Lopez or Giannis might, but you know, that's a, someone who can, you know, be a huge deterrent down there um, for Tatum and Brown, et cetera. And then you have, you know, much better, Wings, um, you know, or at least depth of wings to, to throw at those guys. And um, it obviously hurts the heat a lot not to have Lowry in that mix. But, you know, Butler can do it. Max Strus is, asked, I think, actually a pretty solid defender, all things considered. P.J. Tucker, obviously, his record speaks for himself. Um, so those, those are guys that they can, you know, maybe feel a little bit better about putting one-on-one on Tatum and Brown and then, you know, holding on a little tighter to the Celtics role guys to, so the, the open looks that were there in this, these last two series aren't are in this one. Yeah. It's a, there's a couple of guys who kind of stand out to me in this series as, as important ones for both sides. Um, I think a player that we already mentioned, PJ Tucker, uh, big for the, for the heat you feel as he'll be a primary defender on, on Tatum. We saw last year that, that he was a primary defender on Kevin Durant and that KD had no problem scoring really in, in the series when they faced off against the Bucks last year, but um, it did again, sort of the, the offense with him because you are able to not have to send so much help. Like the, the game can just devolve into like isolation things and stuff like that. And some of the, the worst habits of the Celtics, but those are also bad habits. If the heat are developing them, 
And that's why I wonder, if, you know, you sort of fear that the game becomes like rock fights and that these two defenses are just very, very difficult to find ways to counter. Um, and then to your point about role players and not having those open shots, I think Derek White is a really important player for the Celtics mm. for a couple of reasons. One is that he's the player who's probably going to come in and defend Tyler Hero, who sort of juices their, their bench scoring. But the other part of it is that, like, in the last round, uh, the role players making the right decision about the shot was really important, right? So Grant Williams just saying, yes, if you leave me this open, I'm going to shoot every single time. And Derek White shooting last game, even when they weren't going in, um, you know, he started over eight or whatever. Just, you know, you have to take these shots. There were a couple that he passed up that you're like, oh, you can't pass that up. You got to take it. And then he took one later and, and made it. In this series, the role players making the right decisions with the pass is probably is maybe going to be more important than than what they do with the shot. And that's where Derek White's skills become sort of come to the fore, right? Like he makes good decisions. He's a quick ball mover. He does the things that you absolutely need to do if you're going to find any seams in this sort of long, switchy half-court defense that you're going up against here. So having a player who can do that, having a series, you know, a whole really a whole team of players who are pretty good at making those decisions by this point in the year, maybe not early in the year, but that they've developed those habits and those skills and that he's really one of those players where I think he becomes a really important part uh, for what the Celtics are going to need to do uh, on both ends. Uh, so those are two players that stand out for me. You know, obviously the players that stand out are Butler and Adebayo and Jalen and Jason and, and all that. But um, I think those two guys coming off the bench as, as both team six men uh, play really interesting roles in how the, the two teams can counter what they're, what they're up against. Is um, wh- where do you, I'm curious to see how you hand like for Derek white too defensively. Do you think he gets Tyler Hero in this series? And that's just like, hey, like, we need someone who's quick enough to just stick with this guy and smart for all that he does. Obviously, he had a, I mean, Hero was played out of his mind in the 2020 bubble, and no one could stop him, including Smart on the Celtics. But I think that's just a matchup in general that's, you know, a guy who's too shifty for Smart at times, and someone like White, who's just, you know, might have a better chance in that situation. So I think. For, for, I agree with everything you said offensively with White, but I think defensively for him, it, it could be just as big in terms of trying to neutralize, you know, Miami's secondary weapons. Yeah, his matchup with Hero is, I think, the first, I agree with that. Like, that's the first headline thing for Derek White's series is, like, how, what's he able to do with Hero? And, like, frankly, the bubble is what the bubble was. Um, right. If you end up with Marcus Smart on Tyler Hero, like, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, fine. it's like... But I think most, most likely what's going to happen is... and we talked about this at the beginning of last series about Grayson Allen, who then never really developed into any kind of a threat. And it was just, they didn't have anybody else to go to. Uh, so there was a lot of talk about why are you playing Grayson Allen? It's like, well, who are you suggesting that they play instead? Um, but we had talked about how like, will do you put smart on Grayson Allen and just say like, listen, if you're going to put this guy on the floor to juice your offense, cause you're going to need to juice your offense. Can smart just chase him around and, and basically wipe him out of the game. Like he's done with Redick and Corver and plays, players like that, a more similar player to them, a player I've already mentioned, you know, Max drew sort of playing in the, the Kyle Corver run around and, shoot you know take movement threes role smart's great at, at that the the whole sort of you can't screen him thing that people have talked about for years yeah you can't screen him on the ball but it's even harder to screen him off the ball like he just he gets to the right place in the right spot and so if if you want smart in that role chasing spruce around quite a bit then you have to figure out the rest of the matchups across the rest of the team right um and so Derek white matching up on on hero is i think by far the most sort of the easiest decision to make in there at least as your starting point and then figure out the rest from there. Um, Jimmy Butler, who who's going to defend Jimmy Butler, being I guess the most interesting of them. Although you have now Jalen and Jason, as, you know, players who you can put on there, and with the the load that they've carried in the last two rounds, they show no sign of wearing down, having to defend 
that level of player on a regular basis, um, which is sort of what happens when these players reach 24 and 25 years old. It's like, oh, you're in your physical prime and you're figuring everything out. And like, you're, you know, you sort of are reaching not the peak of your powers yet, but getting into that, that prime where you just think like you've got the, got the horses to do it. And so that's how you try to wipe out the backcourt and then figure out Butler and Adebayo. Adebayo, I think is makes sort of, you know, who's going to be defending him, but, but that's where you get left with Jimmy Butler that it's, you're not putting smart there. You're putting your wings there and, and letting smart try to wipe out some of that three-point shooting. All right. Let's first hear from our sponsor bet online. Um, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find, all latest sports developments, odds on these playoff series, and even some of the next season's future throughout the NBA postseason. Baseball is also back, so you can check out the start of the Major League Baseball season and the full MLB odds on there on a nightly basis. So it's you can do it for that. You can check out live betting on all your Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to join. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, it's where the game starts. When we talk about matchups here, we don't know what Rob Williams. I mean, I think, I think it's safe to say he's going to play. In, he's going to play in this series. It's like there's no question that you know the Celtics dressed him in Game Seven just to in case there was bad foul trouble or if they needed someone to grab a rebound or for a lob play, or whatever. Like I think Amy Adoka kind of spelled that out in his pregame press conference and, and stuck to it, which is which is good since it obviously gives them him a couple more days to rest without re-aggravating the pain and stuff like that but i think there's no doubt he's i don't know whether it's gonna be game one or game three or whenever but they're gonna give him you know a try in this series because you know they they need to against being out of bio and al horford is i think gonna get the line share of of minutes there along with grant as well but you need you're gonna need i think everyone in line to 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 try to handle him after what he did to the to the celtics in in that 2020 series yeah, Rob is so much more important in this series than he was against the Bucs. Like, the Bucs are a bad matchup for him. Right. Because for all that he's, all of his talents, like, he's not huge. He's not a, he's not a big center, right? He's probably shorter than Jason Tatum. Um, and that's just a difficult series for him. In this series with Adebayo, like, you need him for that matchup. You need him for just the general rim protection. But I also think that you need him as a way to generate some amount of offense, right? Which is really where he's sort of, as valuable as anything is when you're going against a small team like this offensive rebounding, getting just a couple of those easy lobs. And if this is a low scoring series, then having somebody who does isn't, you know, high usage, but when you do get him involved is able to just sort of steal you a couple easy points when things are getting difficult. Uh, that's, that's important. And I'm not super confident that he's going to be ready for this series. Like bone bruises can be pretty nasty, particularly if it's a bone bruise on top of an existing injury. Um, you know, we saw when they said that jaw was going to miss the rest of the playoffs with, with a bone bruise and yeah, they dressed him for game seven, but I, I do sort of think that was like, well, if we need to grab a rebound with five seconds left, or if we need to defend an inbounds and we want to put somebody on the inbounder who can, you know, do what he can do. With or just so Rob doesn't have to get any crap for not playing yeah. game seven <laughs> or, or even just be like, why don't you dress him? Like at least right. make the other team think about it. It's not like you need to be dressing somebody else. They're not going to play anyway. Right. Like there was no, there's sort of yeah. no reason not to, um, for all those reasons, but the fact that he didn't play at all, and, and of course they didn't didn't really you know need him in any way, but um, it does worry me about this the, you know this series because I'd kind of be surprised if he plays any meaningful role in Game One. Not kind of, I would be surprised, and I sure. don't know what he's going to look like when he does come back uh, because there's a difference between coming back as something less than the Robert Williams we know and, and coming back as the player that we do know. 
because one thing you know about the heat is that one they're you know if you give them a, an inch like they're going to take take the mile right like they're going to go at him if he's not 100 healthy um they and, and they play really hard and if you have somebody out there who's not 100 healthy who's protecting themselves in any sort of way uh, or who just can't do the things that they're that they're used to doing then then that becomes maybe more of a liability than it would have been against the nets who just you know didn't have at times seem to not not have the fight in them like that's not going to be the case in this series so i'm worried about about rob uh, if he were fully healthy in this series i would feel significantly better about you know about the, the celtics advancing um, and while i still think they will that's a place that i that i do worry about and maybe that's some of that's just like the recency of oh they lost that game just after he got injured and so i'm afraid that that will happen again and and even having said you shouldn't put too much weight into that like it's hard to get that out of your head sometimes yeah no i mean again Tice has looked decent enough in stretches where I still think they can get through this series with, if Rob is giving them next to nothing or just can't go. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of like, if you, cause even if Rob does come back, like even if you get net series, Rob, like I'm not sure how much that really helps you in this series. Um, if he just still doesn't, you know, if he's not in good, you know, he, if he's lost some of his stamina from having to sit out so much over the last few weeks, it's, it's a really tough spot. And, and probably will make the Celtics continue to be very careful in terms of when they give him a go in this series. And, you know, I don't expect, unless they get super desperate, I don't expect that to happen too soon here, but I don't know. It's when you look at even the big map, like I, part of me going in this series is like, man, the Celtics defense or at least the Celtics front court, man, they're, they're going to get to breathe a little bit. So they don't have to like, how excited are they to like not have to face Giannis for 40 minutes a night and just deal with, the masterpiece that he would do time after time and the, and the beating he would lay upon them. Um, and so you look at that on the one hand, but then on the other hand, you just look at, okay, but the heat have shooting everywhere and this is, and they are well-owned machine. And even without Lowry, they have enough gritty role guys where they can just, you know, get hot. And if, if Duncan Robinson reemerges again and like becomes a, a factor, which I'm not sure it's going to happen based on how he's been treated by Eric Spolster all, all postseason. There's still there's still enough parts here offensively where you have a lot more to worry about than you did with like the Bucks supporting cast. Yeah, when you get into players like sort of four, five, six, seven, eight, this this is a, a better team than than what the Bucks had. It's just at, at particularly at one, it's it's not. Um, I'm not so worried about the Heat. The whole idea of the Heat have shooting everywhere. Um, the Heat have a lot of shooting. In, in my opinion, they have some amount of regular season shooting. And I don't know how well it really holds up in the playoffs. Like, they did not shoot the ball particularly well against No, they've been terrible season. all postseason. They didn't need to. Yeah, and, like, Butler doesn't shoot at all in the regular season. Then he starts taking threes in, in the playoffs, and everybody's like, oh, look, he's taking threes again. Aha, Jimmy Butler is doing that thing. But he hasn't really been making them. And taking them is more important than making them in a lot of ways. Um, but he hasn't been been making them at high volume. Struce takes a lot of threes. He makes a decent amount of threes. I don't think he's as good of a shooter as Duncan Robinson is, but he can defend, which is why, you know, why he gets that Oladipo likes to take threes. He hasn't, you know, really been making them. PJ Tucker, all of his are created by, you know, they're all corner open corner threes from kickouts, which the Celtics do have a tendency to give up sometimes, particularly when Rob's out there, if that's where you decide to, to, to put him. But, um, and without, so that's where I think Kyle Lowry not being there is a bigger deal uh, because that is one less player who's sort of like playoff three point shooter, as opposed to, 
uh, regular season or gym three-point shooter. And this may totally burn me. Like three-point shooting variance is a thing that happens and they may shoot 45% for the series and a whole bunch of guys who didn't, wouldn't normally do that have a seven-game series. And like, that's okay. That's the way it happens. That's part of why you put a lot of three-point shooters out there if you don't have a, a Giannis or a Kevin Durant on your team. It's because like, well, we need to find variance somewhere in order to overcome some of those some of those weaknesses. So, um, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not like freaked out about that. If you ask me who the best pure shooters in the series are, who are really going to play, it's like, I think Jason Tatum is the best shooter in the series and Jalen Brown is up there. Um, you know, so Max Struess is next. Yeah. Max Struess is, is a perfectly, you know, is a very good shooter and he's a very difficult shooter to track, but like Peyton Pritchard is a good shooter too. And you yeah. know, he's just sort of, yeah. um, the thing that stands out to me is how small the series is. Uh, yeah. Who is going to play in this series any significant minutes other than Dwayne Dedman, who is like traditional NBA tall? Adebayo's not. Rob Williams isn't. Al Horford isn't. P.J. Tucker certainly isn't. Grant Williams isn't. Like, this is a series, the series that people have been talking about for years now of like, what happens if you just put a whole bunch of guys who are between six foot four and six foot nine on the floor and you see what happens and everybody switches everything and you just like, there's not, there's not a lot of big and there's not a lot of small. How, I don't even know how big Gabe Vincent is. I don't think he's that big, right? Um, is he going to be like six feet? He's six three. Even he's six, six three. Right? Yeah, so, so he, he fits the most. Yeah, like it's just, it's that's the type of teams that these are, and and so again, like it, making good decisions with the pass and being able to move the ball and who can get out in transition and use their the sort of rangey switching to get steals and things like that. Like a lot of that's going to become important in different games because it's it's like if you inbound the ball walk it up the floor, cross the half court line with 17 seconds on the clock, and then try to set up a half court offense. Neither team's going to be able to score at least not, you know, not enough to scare anybody. Um, unless, unless, you know, Tatum is standing facing up on six foot four PJ Tucker and just shooting over him from the left wing, like which he has games where he does that, but um, it's not, it's not going to be pretty if that's the way that these teams end up having to approach the games. And it's just so interesting to watch. Like you go from, like you said, you know, you go from Giannis and, and Lopez and Portis and these guys were all six ten to seven foot two or whatever, all camped out around the rim to a series where just everybody's moving all the time, um, and nobody looks like a monster in there other than you know Rob's ability obviously to erase the stuff at the rim if he's healthy, and it's just it just becomes like a sort of fascinating. It's both a modern NBA series and very much like a '70s Tommy Heinsohn sort of series, <laughs> the, the, the kind of game that he would love with Dave Cowens and. Um, that sort of team you do see them sometimes but it, it really is, does feel very very much like a sort of 2022 story of the nba series it is and it's and it will be i mean a nice it will whoever wins it will get ready for the finals quite nicely because that's the two teams that are waiting for there in that scenario are going to be playing pretty much the same exact way i have two trivia questions for you ryan about the heat do you know where they ranked in three-point shooting in the regular season in the league, they were the best percentage three-point shooting team, right? Yes, that's correct. Thirty-seven point yeah, nine percent, not highest volume. Thirty-seven point nine percent, middle of the road volume, fourteenth. Yeah. Um, do you want to guess who is their 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 top three-point shooter in the regular season? Is actually current percentage-wise is actually a current member of the Boston Celtics. Can you name who it is? Who? Uh... I obviously I should be able to. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who the options would be. Uh, no, I don't know who it is because I'm obviously be, blanking out on an obvious. It answer. is no, it is not Malik Fitz. It is Nick Stauskas. 
Oh, oh, oh. 50% from three. I, in, yeah, uh, I in two games. Yeah, I, I know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't remember. I have 10 days. But no, but you. On 10 days. Cycling. I was like, wait, what? Who played the. the um, yeah. But yeah, to your and point. That's the, what I was getting. Like, the, I, I understand that they're a good three point shooting team. I just think that some of that volume is like system three point stuff in the regular season, where because we run this particular side of offense really, really well, we out execute teams in the regular season, we outwork teams in the regular season, we play Duncan Robinson in the regular season, um, that they generate a volume and a quality of three that they will struggle to volume to generate against a defense like the Celtics and the, the same for the Celtics like the Celtics will not get as good of shots against the heat as they did just as we saw against even the Bucks. Um, but I I just look at who's actually playing right now for them in the playoffs and it's like Struess and Hero and then a bunch of guys who either get shots created for them or don't shoot threes or aren't great three-point shooters and the the Oladipo wild card in this series is going to be fascinating. But uh, to your point, like, I mean, he's he's shooting twenty seven percent from three in the post in you know, a four attempts per game. The Celtics are going to give him that shot. I mean, he he he's got some of his step. Like, I was actually kind of impressed with him when he got chances at the end of the regular season in a couple games. But he's still like the Celtics will give him that jump shot all day long. And yeah. same with Gabe Vincent and a lot of other of these guys. So if as long as they can hold tight to Strews. You, you don't give Tucker the corner threes and you, uh, you play Jimmy Butler pretty tough straight up. Like I feel okay about these other guys. Yeah. A thing that stood out to me watching Oladipo against the 76ers is that he thinks he's back. Yes. Which is and great. I <laughs> not think that he was back. Uh, he, he was very interested in running the offense and in taking some shots. Uh, and yes, he made some of them. He wasn't, terrible he defended James Harden pretty well but not the James Harden that we're used to seeing and not not Jason Tatum um but he looked like he was interested in being like ah I am still an important player and if Tyler Hero gets to run possessions like this then so do I and I I don't think that they went really well and I think the Celtics will be kind of okay with letting him try to do the same thing against them if he wants to square up Derek White or Marcus Smart or whoever in a half court possession, then you know have at it, and we'll see you know see how that goes. It's it's going to be a fascinating choice for Spolstra when he sees you know when when if Gabe Vincent or you know Strew struggling or whoever is like the obviously that the half court offense for Miami is probably going to have a tough time like every team has against Celtics all year long, and so do you do you gamble on you know, the, the potential upside that Oladipo can explode for one game here or there with all that while taking the risk of him trying to do too much and giving some stuff back defensively? Or do you roll with the gritty roll guys that, you know, know their, know their job, but aren't necessarily, that's not going to matter enough against the Celtics team. Like, I don't know, like that, the Celtics have to hope that, that, that it becomes a tough choice for him early in the series, I feel like. And, you know, obviously getting, stealing a game in Miami out of the gate here in, the, in these first two will, you know, put the pressure on and enforce Miami into some tough decisions, assuming that Lowry is still, you know, a non-factor. Yeah. I look at this series and to me, it, it shouts at end of close games. It's um, hero Struess, Butler, Tucker out against smart white Brown Tatum Horford. Mm-hmm. And the only two real swings in there, obviously, Struess, maybe if he's having a bad shooting night or whatever, somebody else is hot, you, you have some other options to put in in that spot. And for the Celtics, Derek White out, 
and and Grant Williams in if you're you know if something's happening there. Uh, and that's sort of assuming that Lowry and Rob Williams are not 100% are not going to be playing like a huge role. But to me, it's like those two lineups are just going to be the ones that end up matching up and, you know, roll the ball out and, and see what happens from there. I, I like the Celtics chances um, when you, you know, when it gets down to that level. Uh, but, you know, sort of, like we said before, seven game series, like there are things that can come into play. And I think these teams are certainly close enough where either one of them could win and, and, all the, the basketball fates will, will play some amount of a role in there. But if they were to play a million times, I think the Celtics would win the majority of them because you get down to those lineups and it's like, we've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Al Horford, and then two really phenomenal defenders in the backcourt. And like you have a, the Heat have a couple more guys who are not quite so dynamic offensively, who are a little bit more specialists who you can attack in one way or another. And so that's, you know, I, I think that that's just the advantage for the Celtics is in that, that top five. And based on that, I'm going Celtics and six in this series. Um, I'm assuming that we're not going to see, even if Lowry plays, I don't think we're going to see a version of him that makes enough of an impact. And I just think, I think the Celtics, and we saw it these last couple of games, I think the Celtics offense has progressed enough in these tough situations where they're making enough of the right reads against tough defenses, whether it's finding the open man, the driving, kicking, again, they're, we saw, you know, some flashbacks of early in the season, but I think everyone in this core is going to have what happened in 2020 fresh on their mind. That was another winnable series that the Celtics gave away in fourth quarter after fourth quarter in the bubble. And now things have, you know, progressed a lot for up and down this roster. Al Horford is back, which I think will make a huge difference in this series as well when it comes to defending Bam and... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think this team's going to the finals. Yeah, I think they lose game one with the short turnaround and win the series in six as well. Uh, again, coming back on on home court. Uh, I think my prediction is that they win games two, three, five, and six officially. <laughs> uh, but I'll take any any Celtics. I'll take any Celtics victory, obviously. But yes, I'm in the same place in Celtics Celtics and six for similar reasons to what you said and all the things we've been talking about. Where you know. Right. I think they're the more talented team. Uh, I would love to have home court advantage in this series like they did last round. I would love for Rob Williams to be for me to know what his health status is, at least. Um, but in, in the end, I, I do think they get it done probably in six. Well, it's going to be a busy, bleary eyed couple weeks as the 830 Eastern starts. Um, begin here. Um, we will be covering it every step of the way here in the winning plays pod. Make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter. He'll be popping in um, time to time throughout the rest of the playoff run. Make sure you're following him at DangerCart. Rate, review, subscribe to Link Plays Pod. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. During this run, it's been a lot of fun um, hearing from you guys and you guys are listening in big numbers, which we appreciate. And um, Ryan, who, who's your pick? Who are, they, who are the Celtics playing in the, in the finals? It seems fated that we get the terrifying Tatum Luca finals. <laughs> terrifying. I mean, that would be that it's going to be epic and have a lot of backstory there, but we'll we'll take a look at that if and when it comes. So in the meantime, thanks a lot, Ryan. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you guys after game one.